This podcast is brought to you by A Copy Match. A Copy Match is a boutique matchmaking service that helps exceptional singles find meaningful connections and relationships. To learn more about our matchmaking services, online dating makeovers and takeovers, or to enroll in an upcoming group coaching intensive, go to agopymatch.com. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I have combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, I answer your dating and relationship questions on the podcast and online. If you're not already following me, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Matchmaker Maria. And while you're at it, follow Ask a Matchmaker, subscribe to this podcast this way every Wednesday. Hey, you get a new episode and more dating and relationship advice. This week's guest is Tess Brigham. Dubbed the Millennial Therapist by CNBC, Tess Brigham specializes in helping millennials and now Gen Zers discover their unique life path. She offers individuals concrete tools and skills on navigating obstacles in their lives when they're feeling lost. Tess is a vital resource for those who may be feeling stuck, uninspired, or uncertain by where they are in life. And she brings her experience within the worlds of psychotherapy and coaching together to work with young adults on relationships, mental health, and career development. She's sought after source. Tess has been featured on Oprah Magazine, The New York Times, HuffPost, USA Today, Insider, Yahoo, and now the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. (laughs) Welcome, Tess. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you because uh, we connected by learning, like you were talking about something about, you know, people who've had a situationship and they're currently obsessing over it and they don't know how to get out of it. And I was like, no, no, Tess has to come on the podcast. We got to talk about this because I feel like everyone has been in the situation of why am I still not over this person who was literally nothing to me in the grand scheme of things. Yes. <laughs> Why am I stuck on this person uh, who didn't respect me, who didn't like me, at least like me enough to value my time better? You know, like all these questions. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Tess has the answers. So let's, let's get them. You want me to jump right in? <laughs> <laughs> right into it. Well, into the well, situation. Why don't you tell me first, like, how did you even find this niche of expertise? I started off as a therapist in about a decade ago. I've been working with people for over 15 years, but about a decade ago, I opened up a practice in downtown San Francisco because I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I didn't really know who to expect, but what happened was young adults showed up, 25, 26, 27. San Francisco is a very unique place. It's you know a place where people flock to for the big tech dream. A lot of people come and you know out here from college. So I got a lot of young people and I was like, oh, wait a second. You are these millennials I've heard so much about because 10 years ago, all the young adults were millennials. You are talking about and, me now uh, because I'm 37 yeah. now. So 10 years ago, uh-huh. I was 27. Yes. <laughs> um, and what surprised me first was, oh, wait a second. Millennials are nowhere near what the media is portraying them as. Like there's a huge disconnect between the headlines that I would see and the people that were sitting across from in what me way? in my office. They weren't entitled, they weren't lazy, they didn't think they were special snowflakes. For me, and and I think this is one of the things about being a therapist and a coach that I love, is I get to see people's like real core humanity. So you get to see people at their rawest and you're really able to see like, you know, 
in a strange way, people always ask me, like, don't you hate hearing bad things all the time? It's like, no, I, I get to see people like, yeah, I see them in a, in a vulnerable state, but that is when they are, you know, at their most human. Mm. And so I saw this real human layer of, of this generation. And what hit me was, cause I was in my twenties in the nineties and uh, really what hit me was like, God, this is so hard to be young in the world that we live in today, you know, between social media and the internet and how much pressure there is and the amount of self-judgment and all of it. I was like, God, this is 20 times harder, 30, you know, 100 times harder than when I was in my 20s. It felt like that when I heard their stories. What, were, what um, but do at you the think? Same time, I related to them because I think we all go through, I think there's, right, there's the common things that we all go through when we're young and then there's right? The situations of our generation. Well, what do you think? Sorry, no, no, no. I, I love it. Are you a Gen X? Yes. So I what am. do you think were 10 years ago, the core differences in what you were witnessing with a generation that let's say there's like certain cues you can tell, like what generation someone is. I feel mm -hmm. like at least that's what I see on my end too at work. And I think like, yeah. oh, to yeah. me, a millennial is someone who has seen the involvement from an analog world into the digital, like, mm -hmm. but like at a young age in the sense that, yes. you know, maybe they didn't have cell phones in high school, but suddenly when they were in the workforce, they had a smartphone. They learned how to use a library in high school because that's how you did research papers. But then they also, towards the end of college, maybe had access to Wikipedia to help them source certain things. Like there, there is this feed in both areas. Or as I think like, you know, you test Gen X, you finished college without yeah, certain resources. <laughs> what? Yes. I had a word processor. Right. I had a word processor in college and it would work just fine. And to me, like That's Gen Z is, you know, I, I work with Gen Z kids. Um, I, I run a Greek theater group and those kids to me it's like oh they don't know a world without youtube like that's that's always mm -hmm. existed to like oh i have a question of how to fix something i don't have to find a ride to the local library to discover something or go to a bookstore and buy a book i can youtube it and figure it out and i just uh it's it's so that's what i'm seeing so like in terms of like how do i define certain generations right so what did you see in your office when you know you're, you're listening to this you're here you're thinking of your own perspective in dating what were the core differences 10 years ago that you were witnessing as a gen x therapist speaking to a millennial audience in dating mm -hmm. well there were a couple things i think that right i think your examples are great examples about how to like think about the various generations and um i think that if you I think texting is one of those things that across the board, you can tell the generations. I have to laugh because when I text my niece, who's 19, I'm like capital I and period <laughs> and all of that. And she's just like, I don't know. And you know, like all lowercase. And my mother, my favorite is my mother who's 78 texting me going, love mom. Yeah, that's my father-in-law. <laughs> text. <laughs> so. You know, you can see like, that's a great example right there of just how the generations look at everything differently. What struck me when I worked with these, with um, young people about 10 years ago was I never dated with social media mm. at all. You know, by the time my hus I met my husband, 
Um, you know, there still wasn't, you know, there was no Tinder. There was none. How did you meet your husband? So I met him at work. Okay. Of all things. Were you working together or were you different departments? Well, we were working different departments. I was a temp. Okay. So, and, um, and it was another coworker who set us up. Um, so it was really not scandalous because I was gone by the time we dated. But see, even that example right? A Gen X meeting at work is so different than a millennial meeting. So like, I remember I had a corporate job for two years before I started my own company. And I remember, you know, I thinking, wow, I have access to whatever. It was like a messenger, some, something where we were talking kind of like a company Slack and I could DM if I, if I wanted to date someone at work, I could, I didn't, but I could have. And I remember other people that were dating and how they were flirting was less analog, like less in person, less, mm-hmm. uh, like you didn't know who was dating, but there were definitely, yes. you know, digital conversations happening that I wonder, like when you met your husband, how did you flirt? How did you, was it after work? Like, how did you get that? Um, well, so at that time, because like we married in, we started dating in 2001, we married at 2003. So <laughs> at that time, there were cell phones, for sure. But he had to, this was old school, like he picked up a phone and had to call me. I mean, T9 and, is really is, tough I, then. <laughs> which is, um, you know, a whole other ball of wax. But our entire relationship essentially was... Uh, a few phone calls and then being in person. Did you have pagers? Like after that? No. Okay. That could have been Didn't fun. have a pager. You, you didn't send, you never <laughs> sent each other one, four, three on your pager to say, I love you. No, no. I had heard about that. We, I, we laughed cause that was on Howard Stern a long time ago, but no, not at all. No, none of that. Uh, whoever's um, listening, that's very... a millennial. I definitely just unlocked a core memory cause that's what I did in high school. My mom got me a pager so that I knew when to call her from a payphone, and I would mm-hmm. text my high school boyfriend one, four, three <laughs> text. I would page him. And to page them, you yes. had to call a, an operator and be like, mm-hmm. I want to page this number, the one, four, three. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to talk to a live I person did. to do that? I did. Oh my gosh. I mean, I remember in my 20s, I dated someone, he had a pager. I, then I remember all I needed to do was go, you pick up a phone, you hear the tone, you put in your number, yeah. he knows it's you, and then he calls Yeah. Me. There were different ways, but, but it that, was, it was really, mean, so yeah, it's so, it's so crazy. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, so you saw that difference. So the difference really was, was just the introduction of social media, just the simple introduction of social media and technology and what, how it radically changed dating, right? Because when I make suggestions to my clients about meeting people in real life, it's like, Ooh, it's a lot of what? anxiety. Huh? Yeah. I don't know. That's a, that's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of like, no, and nobody else is doing it. So that's a bit of the other problem is, is that even if you are intentional and want to say, I want to meet someone in real life, so many people now are like, who's this person talking to me? Like, why are they talking to me? Like, this isn't a place to date. We're supposed to be dating over here on this app, you know, this thing over here. So that doesn't seem quite right. But what, what I saw was just how social media and the fact that a great example of this is right when i when a relationship would end when i was in my 20s it was like it was upsetting it was sad it was all of those things but really 
the only way I could see him was if I drove by his house or maybe I knew where he frequented and I maybe dropped by. But for the most part, he was out of my life unless I actively looked for him. What was different about my clients is I had clients that were trying to get over a breakup, but there was this evidence, like, but late, late at night, late, late at yeah. night, you go through Instagram and you start to become a detective and like, who's this woman and who is she? And then let me go down the trace yeah. of that hole. And like, who is this? And even those who were consciously not doing that behavior, saying to themselves, they'll, someone gets tagged and all of a sudden he shows up in a group photo. Digital right? imprint at that point, was uh, suddenly yeah. available. Yes. And so suddenly I'm being reminded of this person and I'm not, I'm not driving by their house. I'm not asking, I'm not scrolling through, they're showing up again. And that part is really tricky. And I think, you know, it's just what social media has introduced us to of people's lifestyles. And I mean, I get clients all the time that talk about this, where this is so interesting. I have a client who, um, she's in her late twenties now and she went to college and Instagram was around and what everybody would do is everyone would get each other's Instagram handles, right? Sure. Like who you're on Instagram, I'm following you. I meet you once, right? And so when she leaves college, she's now in her late twenties and it seems like every last person that she knows is getting engaged. But it's simply because, right, this is the time where a lot of her friends are getting engaged, but everybody that, you know, like she was Instagram friends with that she went to college with who's in this, in this time period is getting engaged. And so you're overwhelmed. It's not just one or two people. It's like, it seems like everybody in my, you know, group is finding, you know, Tess and that, that being in your face. It's like, it's so interesting that you say that because like, I remember when I started my business, I was networking a lot. This was pre Instagram. So, but everyone was on Facebook and it was very, of course, you just added people on Facebook. There was just, it was just Mm -hmm. what you did. And I remember when I had kids, I was like, I think I need to clean up my Facebook because there's a lot of people I've met one time at like South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. And now I know when they had children, I know if they got a new job, like, like, and no reality has my mom ever been to a trade show, become, you know, f- photograph friends with 15 people and yeah. then follow their lives for the next 25 years. Um, and yeah. it's like funny, I started to clean up, you know what I do? And maybe other, if other people do this, you have to definitely tag me on Instagram and just let me know that I'm not alone here. But I look at the birthday list every day uh, on most days when I remember on Facebook and I look at the names and I'm like, if I don't know this person, I unfriend them. So I unfriend a lot of people on their birthdays. Mm. Yeah. It's the only way to clean it up. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But what adds to that, right, is, and we all know this, that, in you know, social media is, are the highlights of our sure. lives. It's a curated snapshot that we choose to show people. But if you can imagine that you go to a trade show and everybody's building their businesses together. And so you've got all these randos who, but every time you're scrolling through, you're like, oh, so-and-so's killing it. So-and-so's killing it. So-and-so's killing it. So-and-so's killing it. Now we know now because, you know, um, uh, we know so much more now about how like marketing and social, you know, marketing works and people fake things and people say, Oh my God, I'm killing it. I'm making $5 million a year, like all of that. But when you are in this vulnerable place and you're sort of scrolling through the, the thing, that feeling can feel incredibly overwhelming. And I think that when you're someone and you're young and you're dating and you're trying to meet someone, right. Just, the whole act of um, scrolling through. And then if you flip that to the 
Tinder and Bumble and all of these apps is what's tough about those is right when I was in my 20s, you would go to a bar, you would go to a club or you'd go to a party or something, right? And there's 50 people there. And what you would do is, you know, you may chat with people and you can see who am I attracted to and, you know, who's interesting. And if there was someone there that you felt like, okay, we're attracted to each other. There's a spark. I like this person. They like me. You give them their phone number <laughs> and you hope he calls, right? And, um, and then the whole process is over. What I see with my clients, which I think is really hard is, is that if you think about it, scrolling through 50 Tinder profiles is like, you know, what I did in a night takes someone weeks upon weeks upon weeks. And sometimes they don't even get there. Right. Because yeah. They, every single time you have to swipe, right. Yeah. Then you have to message that person. And then the two of you have to connect. And we know now with anthrop, you know, we, know, we understand that there, there is no algorithm that's going to predict whether or not two people are attracted no. to each other and whether or not it's going to work. People can put all the science that they want behind it. That's fine. I, but it's not until two people get into a room together that if they know that there's a there there, if there's an attraction. And we all know this. We've all talked to someone and you're like, oh, God, we're flirting. It's cool. And then you get in the room and it's like, Bwah. yeah, you know, you're, and, you're, and you're so, describing, you know, extreme dating fatigue. We talk about it on this podcast all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, one of the big factors that you're also talking about without having to say it is that when you were at that party, when you were at that friend's wedding or at that barbecue, there was an accountable middle person. Uh, like, you know, a friend, a, a colleague, a family member who, you know, this person because of that network. Mm -hmm. Right. And when that happens, when so many people were dating and courting in this way, pre-social media, let's say, or pre-dating apps, um, you had a person who's, you know, the middle person, even if you never spoke to them, you can make assumptions, right? Okay. This person's friends with my friend, which means that they must share at least 50% of the same values that I share, which is, you know, a recipe to, a, a, you know, a relationship, uh, whatever that is, it's, it helps to share values with people. And also I feel, and I don't, I don't have a study. And so maybe you're my study, my human study. But I feel like because you, you know, people pre-social media and pre-online dating apps, when you met through a friend, there was a less chance of that person just disappearing into thin air unless they're a complete psychopath because they'd have to be accountable to their friend. Like you can't just, you can't just go out with my friend, have sex with her and then just not at least give her the courtesy of a phone call. Be like, I don't think it's working. Whereas now, because we're all meeting strangers on all the dating apps. We don't have any friends in common with most people, right? It's like, well, we can go on four dates. I can say, I want to see you again, but then I just never. Yeah. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. Maybe it was just me, but I remember being, it wasn't called ghosted at the time. Right. But you would go out on a, like a date or two with somebody and you know, maybe they wouldn't feel it, but you really liked them. I remember quite a few people just like, you never hear from them again, yeah. right? You have a phone number, but you're but just that's like, dating. well, if this person's not, if someone's not doing that, but yes, the ghosting in terms of what, what I could imagine is so frustrating is having to start all of these random conversations and kind of keep up with them. And then there are some people that are on these apps, whether they're aware of it or not, who they don't want to date. Right. They don't want to date. They don't ever want to meet you in person. They want to, they like the idea of like, I'm talking to all these different people the or ego they get scared. Yeah. Or they, you know, but they're the ones who are like, 
hey, how's your day going? And then you never hear from them for a week. And then, hey, how's your day going? And you're like, God, this is so annoying. Right. You know, the, the whole the whole process of that is exhausting. But I think that what, because of social media, I think there's some things that happen, right? Where it is, again, I, you know, if a guy doesn't call me again, right? Like, you know, I know it's not going to work and it's over. But I think this is why you see all these situationships, right? Which is, you know, you date for a while, it's weird, he disappears, and then all of a sudden, it's re it's really easy for him to, because it's a lot more to pick up a phone and call someone, right? And be right. like, I have not talked to you in a while, do I'm people, calling do you. Do people pick up phones? Do people do that? Well, no, but the thing, they did, you know, 20 some odd years ago, but today, what they do is, they're like, oh yeah, I dated that person for a while, hmm, I wonder... I wonder what's going on with her or him. And then they write comment on an Instagram post yeah. or write breadcrumbing, right? Comment on an Instagram post, send a random text at a random time, you know? Um, and then, and, and what I found is clients who might date someone, they really like them, the, the relationship fizzles. And then all of a sudden they feel like they're getting better. They're getting over it. They're moving forward. And then boom, he, I think a lot of times it's a he, he shows up and you know, writes that little message on your Instagram post and now you're analyzing it yeah. for the next three weeks of for, like, what does that mean? And does he want me to, does, does this mean he wants to get back together? For purpose of like definitions, what is a situationship and how is that different than a relationship? A situationship is something that's not defined. Um, you know, some, some people might call it like friends with benefits where you're friendly and you have sex, but there's no commitment there. But situationships are where it's two people who, you know, wouldn't define it as a dating, wouldn't, wouldn't define it, sorry, as a relationship. Um, they don't quite know what they are. Maybe they're having sex and hanging out here and there. Maybe they are seeing each other. Maybe they're, they're, they're part of a friend group. Mm. And, um, you know, everyone goes out, it's friends. And then sometimes maybe the two of you will hook up at the end of the night and then you'll hang out all day the next day. And then, you know, but he or she is under no obligation to continue to chat with you for the week. And maybe everyone sees each other again. It's this, it's this undefined thing that you're having with someone. And, and usually what creates the situationship is there's some level of intimacy there, right? That hasn't been defined. But is it right? intimacy? Like you want a bunch of is it intimacy without vulnerability? No, I think there's still vulnerability in there. I think that it is either both parties. And again, there's situationships where both parties are very much like, this is all I want and need. I'm good. And then there's other situationships where one person is really like, this is a great thing for me. And the other person's really unhappy and they're trying to see if they can make it into something. So they might be feeling a lot of vulnerability. They may be putting their heart into it, but the other person isn't. And, and the one person is trying to see if like, could we make this into something real? I feel like I've been in a few situationships. Um, and what those, both of those, I am thinking right now of two situationships that definitely affected my dating behavior, having those like one after the other, you know, what those relationships had in common was that I was communicating like, Hey, I'm falling for you. Like I would say that I would, you know, mm -hmm. at a reasonable time, by the way, six weeks, like, Hey, I'm falling for you. Like, I really like you. And I need to know, you know, what are we doing here? Like, are we just dating? Mm -hmm. Are we having sex or, you know, cause, and I, the reason why I was asking that was because I felt like 
both of those people, what they had in common is that they loved having fun with me. It was so much fun to have fun. But mm. if I ever wanted to say like, hey, let's go out with my friends or hey, let's have a serious conversation about our feelings because I'm feeling stuff, you know, it was always kind of like a, a, a smile. Uh, mm. It wasn't, it wasn't, I never felt like. Let me, let me look at like some of the words that I wrote before you came on. I felt like <laughs> I felt confused. I felt anxious. Mm. I felt like all of this was out of my control and I constantly yes. needed acknowledgement, which I was never going to get from them. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. is and like, that's what kept you on the hook. Yeah. Yeah. And that is to me was like, oh shit, that was not a relationship. That was me having a relationship with myself in this situation ship, trying to like mm -hmm. clarify what's happening. But if I think if you interviewed them. They would say, who? <laughs> that girl I dated for like six months? That girl I dated for three months? Like it wasn't, mm -hmm. I don't think, when they think of me, and like to me, they had such a massive impact. But if I were to ask them, mm -hmm. and it also makes me wonder, have I ever put a man into a situation ship without me realizing it too? Where I was like kind of mm -hmm. holding out the care because I was, it was so much fun to have fun. Yeah. But not acknowledging that person, how they needed to be acknowledged. Yes. And we all want, I mean, this is how we're designed. We're human. You know, this is how people are designed is we need each other. We need connection. We need that piece of it. And everybody, right. That everybody likes it when someone really likes them, yeah. you know, it's a good feeling to be wanted, to be needed, to be someone that someone cares about, you know, that feeling. And I think that, yeah, a lot of people, whether they're aware of it or aware of it or not, they're, you know, they're someone else is hurting because when the, the right that's a, like a, there's an imbalance of what's happening here um and i think what's so hard and what in my in when i was younger you know i don't know about you but i have these moments in time when i was younger where you know how you can go back and say if i had in that moment in time made a different choice like what would have happened right like these different moments of i can see so clearly now like after he said that to me, why did I keep going out with him? Like what, you know, right. because when you go Holy and you, when you're trying to ask those yeah. questions of like defining the relationship and he's saying, well, you know, I don't really want to be in a relationship. I really like you. I like what we're doing. We're hang out once a week and we fool around and we do this and this is good. So can we just keep doing that? Right. That is the moment in time where you're, you know, you think to yourself, what is it that I want? I want a relationship with this person and you need to go. And, and th because they're clearly telling me they don't want to have what I want with them. And, but instead what I did, and I think what a lot of people do is you stick around thinking he'll change. His he'll mind. change. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. He'll oh, change yeah. his mind. He'll see how wonderful I am, how great I am, how much we connect, how great this is you know, all of that. And then as it goes along, it just gets, you know, stickier and stickier and stickier. Um, and inevitably, right. The other person is like, okay, I'm kind of done with this. Like this was fun. Peace out. I'm going to go off somewhere. And of course they're, I have they're guilt free because they told you from yes. the beginning, you know, I, you yes. just, you just reminded me of, um, I, I, I remember doing that. I remember thinking, wait until he sees how good I cook. Wait until he sees how good my blowjobs are. Wait until he's like, you know, you start kind of saying like, wait until he sees how cool I am. And mm -hmm. I remember stopping that um, right before I met my husband. I went on this incredible first date, incredible first date. And 
you know, he asked during the date, um, you know, he asked about my job as a matchmaker. And he's like, how do you, what happens after the date? And I said, oh, our clients and their matches, like whoever they wanted to date with, they'll get a feedback form after the date and they let me know how it went. And based on that, mm -hmm. I'll set up a second date. And he goes, oh my God, can I fill it out for this date? And I was like, okay, that's pretty cheeky, but why not? And he did. And he gave me really good marks. <laughs> You know, he really liked me, whatever. He said I was attractive. He said he had a fun time. And then under comments, um, he said, you know, I want to see her again. So this is a weird way of asking mm -hmm. me out. But under comments, he said, I really like Maria, but I can tell she's looking for something more serious and I'm not there. Mm -hmm. And I did not contact him again. And mm. when I ran into him a couple months later, he was like, why didn't, you know, why didn't we go out again or whatever? And I was like, because you told me you're not looking for a serious relationship. Like in the past, I would have read that and said, well, mm -hmm. I'm not looking for something serious. It was only a first date. And I was like, no, I, I am looking, I want my next boyfriend to be the person I marry. So this is mm -hmm. spot on. And I don't want to put myself in a position where... I get my feelings hurt. I have sex with this person. You know, you have experience mm -hmm. with this person. You make memories. You have sex. You get your feelings hurt. And then four or five months down the line when he's like, well, okay, I'm I'm done. I'm going to, this has expired. I'm going to move on. And I'll be like, what are you talking about? We're in a relationship. No, we're not. I told you from day one, you're looking for something mm -hmm. serious and I'm not. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I kind of removed myself from that situation ship. Yeah before and what what's so great about that moment is you're like i already really like this guy and if i continue to date him oh yeah the feelings are going to get deeper and deeper and deeper and we know this now right people always think i can have sex without feelings it's like there's always something there right once there's a certain amount of intimacy it's 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 there and i think that you know your body releases all of these chemicals all of these hormones and you do you do become connected and attached to someone and yeah, I mean, it's, it's good for you for being able to see that. So did he, when you ran into him, yeah. did he go, you know, you're right. You did. And oh yeah, he totally he... acknowledged yeah. it was, it was the most honest conversation I've ever had with a man mm -hmm. that I'm not married to. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was the best. It was the most freeing thing I had ever done. I was like so proud of myself, but you know what? Having done that after that. I got to say, I remember from that period until I met my husband, which was like, this is like a three, four month difference, maybe six month difference between mm -hmm. these two dates. Anyone I went out with, if I did not see myself, like if I was like, oh yeah, I don't care about this person. I had no problem sleeping with them um, quickly. Like I was like, I don't like you. There was no oxytocin being released here. This mm -hmm. is just fun. But if I thought his personality was aces, I was just mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, we're going to wait for this. Yeah. Um, this, the, I, I could, I could really fall for you. And that's exactly what happened, um, with, with the person who would end up being my boyfriend and then my husband. And I was very, you know, when I, I've said this on my podcast before to my listeners and, and maybe other podcasts, but I remember being very clear with my husband when I met him, I was like, I want my next boyfriend to be the person I marry. So mm -hmm. if that's not something that your, you know, your three-year plan includes or four-year plan, whatever number I said at the time, I was like, this can be fun, but I, I can't see you again. I yeah. didn't sit in those words because he was, he was really into, he was asking me like, let's, let's, let's this be it. I love you. I want to be with you. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, you can love me. I'll be your girlfriend, but here's what you need to know. 
Mm-hmm. And well, and so, yeah, sorry. So, and good for you for having that awareness and setting those boundaries. I think that a lot of times most people, what don't. happens. And when I was younger, the feeling was, well, I, do I really have the right to do that? Yeah. Right. Do you know, is that okay? I, you know, nobody else is really interested in me. Like, you know, I think that a lot of times, especially for women who were very used to being picked, yeah. right? Like he comes at, you know, he's the one that asked for the date. He's the one that calls mm-hmm. us. He's the one there that, that idea of, <coughs> um, it's less about, and this is what I tell my clients. And I, I always say to them, you know, when you start dating, I want you to really visualize like, who is it you're looking for long before you meet anybody? Because you need to get very crystal clear because it sounds like you had that in your mind of like, this is the kind yeah. of person that I want to meet. This is what it's going to, you know, and this is what I'm looking for. And, and versus dating, meeting someone, trying to fit that package in to kind of like, well, I can, I'll make know that it when I work see it mentality. This, yeah. That, that's or literally, I can, yeah, that's literally what our that course, work. what agape intensive, the thing that, uh, the, our, one of our programs, that's literally what that's about. It's like making that defining the picker mm-hmm. and exactly. um, but anyway let's let's talk a little bit more about like you know so you you know you've been working with people and they're getting in situationships and so when you find someone that is confused that is anxious that gets stuck in the we could do this we should do this whatever how do you um get them how, how do you help them in processing what it is how do you get them to acknowledge that you know this isn't really a relationship and how to stop the obsession. Mm-hmm. Is there a route to that? There's not like a, a direct route. I think, you know, each person is so different. How you, you know, every Absolutely. client that I have, you have to be very aware of how do I say this? How do I phrase this? What, what do I think this person can hear? And you obviously don't want to come at them from this place of, oh, you got to dump him. What are you doing? How dare, you know, any of that, that, that a lot of it is very much, you know, really asking questions around, well, let's, what I'm saying, what I said earlier, right? Let's push him aside or her aside. What is it that you're really looking for? Like, what is it that you want right now? What, you know, what do you think that you need? And getting them to really say that out loud for themselves. Like, this is what I want. This is what I'm looking for. This is what, you know, this is what I think that I need right now. And then having them see, okay, so you're, you know, looking, you're telling me you want this, but this is what's happening. You know, when do you communicate that? Like, how do you, when, so when you, in your, in your sessions, can people book a session with you today? If they're listening to this, <laughs> yes, are there virtual can. sessions? Just go to my website. Yeah. Awesome. We'll include that link in the episode uh, notes. Um, Tess, when, when, when someone comes to you and says, okay, well, these are my needs. How do you, do you tell them, okay, I need you to go tell that person then your needs? Um, well, it depends. It depends on this. I mean, again, it depends on the situation too. Sure. Right. Like, so it depends on how far into things they are. I think that there are some people where, right. For example, with the breadcrumbing piece, you know, they dated for a while and now he's texting again and he's circling back and he, you know, wants to go out again. That's a very different situation than someone who's like in the throes of what's happening. So again, I think it's really dependent upon whether or not the person feels, you know, is that, is this what is warranted? You know, do you need to, do you need to go and communicate that with this person um, or not? And sometimes it's really just about someone realizing, you know what, I'll just let him, you know, he can, he can just keep breadcrumbing me. I'll just, he'll go away. I know for myself, this is what I want. This is not what I'm looking for. So 
I'm just going to focus my attention over here. For other people, it really is like, you know, working with them on what is it that you want to say? You know, what is it that you want to convey to this person? And I've had many a client, we like work together on the text message, you know, that they're going to send. And sometimes it is a text message. And listen, sometimes they get the response. They don't, they get the response that they need to create some level of closure on the relationship, right? Where they, the person says, you know what, I'm sorry, I, I didn't treat you very well. Or I'm sorry, you know, you're right, I am doing this and, and I apologize. And sometimes that's what people need to kind of put a bow on it and move forward. But really, in many ways, because I think the mindset is so much when you're dating about what does this other person want? What do they need? What do I need to do? How do I need to move around this person so that they will continue to date me and like me? And it's a real mindset shift of don't worry about them, you know, push them aside. What do you want? What, what do are you, you looking yeah, for? Totally. Because the thing is, is that other person, they're getting what they need. They're getting what they want right? They are communicating with you, whether they're saying it directly or not. I don't want to be in a relationship, yeah. you know, not because you're terrible and you're awful, but I don't want to be in a relationship. And I think that a lot of times this is, there's this idea that, okay, you know, we, we met, there's this attraction, we have so much fun together. It's so great. There's that piece of a relationship. And then there's another piece of a relationship of whether or not this, what we're doing here can translate into a long-term relationship. Like, can the two of us, you know, be together and raise children and buy a house and do all these things. And I think a lot of times if, if people feel that connection and the fun and we laugh, they feel like, of course we can do all this other stuff over here. Of course we can be this great couple. It's like, no, you need, you know, in order to make a relationship successful and work, you need both. And you can't take just the connection and all of that and hope that it's going to make it work for the long haul. Um, and so that's the thing. It's like, we, we will meet people, you know, people talk about soulmates and all that. I believe we have many, 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 many soulmates oh my God, in this world. Too. We have me lots too, of Beth. people, totally. we have lots of people that we connect with lots of people that we meet and we can have soulmates that we meet for a day. We can have soulmates, soulmates that we meet for a little bit of time. And so you might be with someone right now who feels like this might be a soulmate. It doesn't mean that that means that you have a relationship that does not, that doesn't translate to that. That just means that you, you know, you're attracted to each other. There's a connection. There's some feeling there, Sure. but both in order for a relationship to work, both people have to be at the same time wanting this other part, the commitment, the, the right, choice the, of the, love. the choice. Of yeah. It. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's funny. I, I tell people like, um, the word agape in Greek, if you were to the translation, according to Aristotle is, um, a soul's recognition of another soul. Mm -hmm. And so when I hear that, I think, oh yeah, you have multiple soulmates in your life, even with a pet, with a sibling, uh, with friends, like your soul recognizes another soul. And that is a part of love, right? Even, even hate is still, uh, even obsession, even mania, that's still a part of love. Uh, mm -hmm. it's at the same emotional range. And I think that we can love someone and still have a situationship with them because we well, you know yes. what you just said, the choice of intimacy is a whole different type of love. Mm -hmm. And yes, and that does take a conversation. So tell me a little bit more about these text messages. So if someone works with you and they're like, I'm going to use that. Do you help them? You help them text. 
Um, well, I, I'm not there. I don't get on their phone and text for them. No, Usually no, no. it's a little bit of, okay, in a session they might say, okay, this is the text message that I'm working on. Or um, someone might email me in between sessions and say, okay, this is roughly what I want to say to this person. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I'll ask clients just as an exercise, like I'll say to them, why don't you write them a letter? Don't mail it. Don't, don't send it. Just write it. Write it out. What is it that you're feeling? You know, and that's usually what happens is people are able to get everything out of their head and they're onto a piece of paper, which is very similar to journaling, right? Like this is why people like myself always recommend something like journaling because it's very helpful to get the internal to the external. Absolutely. And, and then, you know, I might help them and say, okay, you know, this is what you've written. You know, what, where are you at now? Because a lot of it is write it out, sit with it, give it some time. And yeah, sometimes I'll help people sort of like formulate and once you take this out and all of that, because, um, you know, there's also just basic communication of using I statements and not being like you, 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 like I feel, and this is what's happening and, and all of that. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I will help anybody with like a message that they want to send a lot of times they end up sending not the message at all. They might have an in-person conversation, but just writing everything down, help them formulate what they were looking for and just talking it through with someone else just helps tremendously. That's not a friend. I mean, that's, that's the other part of it too, is that, right. That's the other thing when you have a friend, you know, you're part of this friend group. So it's hard to go to these friends, right? It's hard to go to your friends if they're also part of this, you know, situationship. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally get that. Well, Tess, uh, do you have any last tips or guidance uh, before we conclude? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I will say if you are, if you have someone that you had a situationship with and you keep thinking about them and thinking about them and thinking about them and you know it's not going to work, that the best thing that you can do is you know, really stop putting them on a pedestal Yes. because what happens is, is that there's this person, they're so great. They made me feel this way. I was so happy. I was so this, I was so that it's like, you got to stop putting them on a pedestal and take a step back and really look at it. This person. Yes. All of those things are true. You felt all those feelings. They're great in all these ways, but you, you know, they've hurt your feelings. You've been crying. They haven't been communicating with you. Um, and, and I think that you just have to, I think when we have all these feelings, we, someone, we just put them up on this very high ledge as if they're the greatest person ever, as Absolutely. if you're never, ever going to meet someone like that again. We all know this with a friend. Cause you're kind of like this guy, you know, this guy you're obsessing about, like yeah. you meet him and you're like, mm. so take him off, take him or her off the pedestal, you know, and trust that you are going to meet that right person. It's just not this person yeah. and that's okay. Like there, there isn't just one person for you, but it's really about the practice of taking them off the pedestal, putting them away, stop, stop framing them in this amazing light and see it for what it is and see how think really focus on how you want to feel. Like, how do you want to feel? And if, when you're with this person, all you feel is anxiety, my guess is you don't want to feel that way. You know, let me ask so. you, Tess, because I get this question all the time and I have an answer in my brain, but I'd love to know your answer. So people ask me like, oh, I've been dating this guy for like four months and it's, we're not defined yet. You know, when should I talk to him about it? Mm -hmm. And um, no, I, I don't want to tell you what I think first. I want you to tell me what you think. <laughs> <laughs>
in that particular situation, again, what's so hard is you don't really know what the whole relationship is or what's going on. Sure. It's like hard to say. Sometimes it's two months, sometimes it's four months. But four months is long enough. It depends on how often you've seen each other. But four months is long enough to know, you know, to ask those questions right. and to see what's going on. The thing is, is that y if you ask it, you have to be prepared for what the answer is. And then make which a decision. Is another reason, and make a decision from there. And and you're making all of this very consciously. And what I see a lot of is people don't want to have that conversation because right. they know what it's going to look like and they don't want this to end. So some of this too is you have to own that. Like this is this, is this choice I'm making. It's really about making conscious choices, you know, choices right. and understanding that piece of it and what, and if you make that choice, what do you think the outcome would be this based feels on so all validating. the facts that you have? This is exactly my answer. This feels so validating to hear someone else say it. That's also an expert in their field. It's like, yes. Uh, because I always think to myself, like, I have four months. You can't just have an honest conversation about, like, what, what are we doing here? Mm -hmm. Then you shouldn't be dating this person. Yeah. Like, you're done. And you just, you yeah. just like it. You like having fun. And you like how you feel, kind of. I think people get addicted to the anxiety, really. And mm -hmm. uh, you don't yes. want to make a decision based on the conversation that you should have. And, uh, yeah, Tess, it was awesome having you on the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Thank you for coming. Where can people find you? Yeah, you can go to my website. It's just tessbrigham.com or tessbrighamcoaching.com and I'll take you there. Or you can follow me on Instagram. I'm on Instagram, Tess underscore Brigham. Um, I have lots of good tips and tricks. And if you go to my website, I have, um, you know, my blog and lots of freebies and all that good stuff. And I also have courses and products and all of that. So just check out my website. That is amazing. I will include all of those links in the show notes. So thank you again for coming to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. If you'd like to speak to me on an upcoming hotline episode, follow me on Instagram at Matchmaker Maria. I'll post a link there and we will chat then. Until then, you can learn more about what I do and enroll in an upcoming Agape Intensive by visiting agapematch.com services. Thank you again. Be lovable and more importantly, be likable. See you next week.